Welcome to Poison Ivy, a podcast about crime on campus. My name is Dr. Scott Belshaw. I'm here with renowned criminologist Dr. Jim Marcourt, and we're about to take you on a ride for your life, learning about crime on college campuses. Stay tuned. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing out there in the Poison Ivy Nation? Uh, this is Dr. Jim. I've got uh, Dr. Scott on, and we have a, a, a wonderful guest this morning by the name of Jan Bynan, and, and uh, she lives in the in the Dallas area. And uh, we think we have a, a really good a couple of episodes here on uh, on a, a crime that uh, I think everyone is going to find find interesting, as well as the aftermath of it. So. Uh, good morning, Jan. And if Alexis is there, uh, good morning to her as well. And Thank you. Hopefully she'll be down in a bit. Then that's fine. Let her let her move in and move out and, you know, ask questions, add, contribute, whatever. And uh, okay. so, you know, we host a podcast, uh, uh, Crime on Campus or Poison Ivy, Crime on Campus. And, and again, it's like what Scott suggested a few minutes ago. It's about crimes that happen on a college campus and or, you know, in, in adjacent areas, you know, involving, you know, college students. So, you know, Kelly was a, a UNT student. So that's why we're absolutely fascinated with this uh, with this story. But before we get into your story, uh, we'd like to take a few minutes, I, I think, you know, to introduce ourselves to you. You know, you need to know who we are. Okay. And uh, so what we're about and, you know, why we wanted to talk with you and, and get you to spend some time uh, uh, with us. So most important, we thank you for your time and as and your bravery. It, it takes guts to do this, and, and we're very appreciative of that. So uh, with that, uh, I'm, I'm uh, Jim Marquardt, and uh, I've been in, I'm a criminologist. Uh, I'm a, a trained and educated at Texas A&M and uh, went on and uh, to Mississippi State, back over to uh, Sam Houston, then up here to Dallas, down to Lamar, and uh, now I'm back in uh, in the Dallas area, and I'm teaching classes in the in the criminal justice department at at TC University, TCU, and we're going to probably kick up classes here in a couple of weeks. But uh, that's me, and you know a little bit uh, professionally, uh, you know, I've written uh, extensively on on uh, uh, criminal justice issues in the state of Texas, and then uh, in a previous life, I was a prison guard at a at a Texas penitentiary. So you know, I do have a uh, you know, some practical experience and, and uh, around a lot of people in that penitentiary that did a lot of damage to a lot of people in the free world. So that's where I caught my interest in, in victims and, and then the resilience in the aftermath of all that. So that's a little bit about me. And, and uh, uh, I'll turn it over to Scott. And he can uh, share a few items about his personal self and professional okay. self. As well. Go ahead. I'm going to put the dog back if you want to stop for this second. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about myself, Jan. Um, like I said, I mentioned to you before, I was 16 years at uh, UNT as a professor um, in criminal <laughs> justice. I've been in the criminal justice field pretty much most of my adult life. Prior to that, I was uh, in the military. I was in the Navy and, and, um, um, but I spent time, I was a probation officer down in Houston. I lived down in, I, so I grew up in the area uh, where they found your daughter. I grew up in that whole area down there and all that stuff. And, um, I grew up in Clear Lake. Uh, uh, I grew up in Clear Lake, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Coeur d'Alene. I went to high school there and, 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 uh, after, uh, went in the military and then went on to college and stuff and, and, and graduated and, and kept, just kept going, kept going, kept going to college. And, <laughs> and, uh, I found my way. I, I ran a private investigation firm for about 15 years while I was mm-hmm. going to school and, and did a lot of work on cases similar to this and stuff. And then finally went to, uh, you know, after I first finished my PhD, I ended up going to, um, North Texas. And then I was at, was at North Texas for 16 years. And just recently within the last probably month, I left North Texas and came up here to Dayton, Ohio to chair the, uh, criminal justice department in, at, uh, at the university of Dayton, um, oh. very big. Yeah. Uh, Mo used to tell me I'm going to throw Mo under the uh, under the bus a little bit, but when she was in college, she used to go to University of Dayton, and that's where all the kids used to party at. Is at the University of Dayton. I didn't know it was this is a giant party school, but now <laughs> I, I run the I run the. Uh, she was like, "Oh my gosh, Scott, you, you, this is the big party school," and I'm like, "Okay, all right." Well, <laughs> she's like nothing like UNT because she was the the mom to everybody at UNT. So right, right. Um, she, oh, she she was. My kids couldn't, my, my, the students that I had who, when they were in the fraternity, couldn't plan a party without her, um, knowing about it. And they would always try to hide and hide. They're like, oh, she'll never find it. And I go, she has three kids. Trust me. She could sniff out a party. Exactly. <laughs> she would always call me on the phone and go, Scott, you guys are having a party. I know they are. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, and, and and then I would call the guys. They're like, "Oh, Doctor Bellshaw, we're not having a party." And I'll be like, "Yes, y'all are. I can tell. Trust me." The dean of students called me, and they're like, okay. "But um, been doing that. A lot of my background has been in uh, you know everything from true crime that we're talking about here to cyber. Um, I, I ran a cyber lab down at University of North Texas, and and um, did that for a number of years, as well as ran." Um, uh, I was the head of the faculty Senate for a number of years. So I've known Neil for a long time. I've known all those guys. So they're, you know, wonderful people and stuff like that. So it was sad to see me, sad to go, but, you know, I needed to kind of move on a little bit. So, uh, but I still have a lot of contacts down there and stuff like this, as well as, um, um, so my, like I said, my background is in criminology as well as law. I have a law degree as well. So, um, so. But we're glad we're glad you're here. We're glad you're a part of this. We're glad you're, uh, um, you know, helping helping us kind of show um, um, tell Kelly's story, even this many Sorry. years later. And you know, and 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 because there's a lot of these cases out there, especially the unsolved ones, that Sorry. the parents are still don't have the resolution, uh, have any resolution at all. Um, not to say it was wonderful resolution, but, you know, at least they can kind of hear that, you know, there's people out there that, that support you and stuff like this. And as long as we can keep Kelly, uh, Kelly out there and Kelly, you know, I mean, I, I think she's going to live, she's going to live forever. And that's why, you know, Scott and I, we talked about it at length and, and uh, you know, this uh, episode uh, with you, Jan, is uh, dedicated to, to her memory and uh, absolutely, and, Thank you. as well as to to you and, and being a survivor. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I guess it's back to me again, Jan. And you know, before we talk about Kelly, 
And, you know, it, and it, be honest with you, it's probably going to take, and we hope that you will do this, it's going to take a couple of interviews to get to that. And uh, so what we would really like to do is, you know, we want to understand the full context. And, right. and that means that, uh, you know, we want to know about you. So this, you and your, your family and your, your early family history and, and before we get off into, you know, that, that day. Uh, so, you know, if you would be kind enough and hopefully you'll, you'll agree with us at, at the end of this that you want to come back. We want you to come back. Uh, you know, and it, and it goes to setting this up in a context for the audience. I think the audience, they, they need to know about you uh, and, and your mm-hmm. family. And, uh, and, and Alexis, if that is that Alexis? That's Alexis. She said she hey. wants to say hi. Hello. That's the best I can it's about her too, you know, and it's, 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 it's about the, not only uh, Kelly, uh, but it's uh, about you guys, the people that are left behind. So, you know, we want to get to know you and we want a better understanding of you, your life, Kelly, uh, and her life, but it's going to take some uh, time to get to that. So, uh, and again, we shared that with you that this podcast, it's, it's, it's dedicated to to the memory of Kelly. And, uh, and we, yeah, I mean, that. I mean, that was like, you know, the easiest thing in the world to do. And, uh, you know, if Mo, you're out there, jump in, you know, you feel free to ask questions. And, and, uh, but, you know, so that's where we are. Uh, that's why we're doing this. And uh, we're, we're a new operation. And, uh, but I think people want to hear, they want to hear your story. And uh, so, you know, let's, let's just jump off into it. And, and Alexis, if you have anything to share, you know, just jump in. You don't have to worry about, you know, raising your hand or anything like that. Feel, just feel free to dive in. So um, I'm going to start with you, Jen, and just ask you some basic questions that, you know, we, we need to know about you. Can you can you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? You know, when I hate to ask you where, you know, where you were born. I won't ask you when, uh, but, you know, where you were born and raised. What can you tell us about that? I can. Oh, I, I actually, I had a wonderful upbringing. Um, I was born in San Angelo, Texas, but was raised in Big Spring, Texas, out in West Texas. Um, so it, it, where the Santa's Hotel is and where Brent has mm-hmm. <laughs> that fabulous suite. Um, <laughs> it, um, that's where I grew up. I think we moved there when I was about a year and a half old. I am one of four kids. I have a younger sister. I have an older brother, and I did have a younger brother. Uh, he's the one who passed um, the first of August last year. It was very, very sudden. It was a massive stroke. Took us all by surprise. We were like, you're the youngest. You were supposed to be the last to go. Um, but if I haven't learned anything else over all these years, it's never say never. You do not know what the day holds. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, you, you just don't. Uh, so anyway, that's where I grew up. I had a I had a really fun upbringing. My mom and my dad. Uh, interestingly enough, my mother graduated from TCU. When you talked about oh, TCU, wow. yeah, yeah, I know. Like, uh, yeah, I think it was probably in about 40, 1941. and she was in the top ten students. And I know there weren't nearly as many then, but she was a uh, she started to college there at TCU when she was only 16 because her father, her mother had passed when she was 13. Her father passed when she was 16. 
She had $3,000 and headed to, to TCU. So um, anyway, they, again, they were of the old school. I mean, you know, and I, my daddy, all he had to do was touch his belt buckle and we, you know, crumbled. Um, so it was, uh, you know, what can I say? Uh, it, it didn't seem to harm us. It sure kept us in line. So again, the usual upbringing, uh, went to school in Big Spring, actually graduated valedictorian from high school. There were really? there weren't just 50 students, there were 377. So give me credit now. Um, my, my brother, and I think a lot of it was because my older brother had graduated valedictorian the year before, and I wasn't going to let him outdo me. So uh, anyway, I did. Uh, I was blessed with that. Had scholarships to school and things like that, that sort. But I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be uh, to go to nursing school. I did some college there in Big Spring at Howard College, and then from there. I had a scholarship to nursing school in Abilene. So I got to Abilene, Texas, and I lasted about 14 weeks. And schoolwork-wise, I was fine. But I just got to, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And we were dealing with geriatric patients up front. And I said, man, if you're having this much trouble, you know, emotionally, with geriatrics, what's going to happen when you get to pediatrics? So I dropped out of nursing school and went back and, and did some more college. Then I ended up uh, getting married. In, I guess it was in 1969. My, my so who's, who's tell us about the guy you married. Who did you marry? He was my, he was my high school sweetheart. Uh, we had gone together for several years. And he was the, his father was the, actually was the dean at the high school uh, when he got there. And so anyway, I think Michael was a little rebellious because of his father being the dean of students at the high school. But we, uh, we met on a, a history club trip because, again, I was reasonably, I had a fun in high school and going and doing so I maintained good grades, participated, you know, in the different history clubs, Spanish clubs, things like that. We got when we got married, he was a uh, in the Navy, attached to the Marines because he was a corpsman in the Navy. Yeah. And uh, so since the Marines don't have their own medical piece, I mean, like corner and stuff. So he was attached, and we moved out to California to Kip Pendleton was where he was assigned. Uh, I talk about those years because every, I think it was every fourth night, he had to stay all night out there at, at, at Camp Pendleton. But during those times, that was, that was in the hippie days. That was in the free love days. That was in the Wild drug days. I mean, you know, and here's this kid from Big Spring, Texas. All of a sudden, I'm out on the on the West Coast, and you know, you're driving along, and there's people laying out in your yard. <laughs> you're a Big Spring kid. Uh, 
it was it was a rude awakening. And uh, so I grew up a lot there. Didn't see my parents for 14 months. And uh, they ended up coming out to, to see me. That was the long distance was very expensive. And so we wrote letters. We, and I'd write a letter to my mom. My mom would write that to me. And my mom, by the way, was an English teacher uh, at one of English and history and government. So I'd get letters back. From her, and she would have marked anything that I <laughs> did incorrectly. She marked it and sent it back to me, and I was like, "Oh, fun!" I'm a letter. <laughs> uh, I, she did that all my years growing up. So, well, why not in letters? Then uh, we ended up moving back from California and moved to uh, Big Spring, and actually lived in my same neighborhood. For about a year and a half. And then my husband, his name was Michael Pope, he ended up, he wanted, you know, to, he was in the, the, the medic type field. He wanted to be a registered nurse. So he took classes that he needed and then ended up going to nursing school in uh, Abilene, uh, just like I had done. And we moved, we moved to Abilene. Um, we were there for a few years, and we actually were married for about six years. Um, and we ended up, I think the biggest reason we split was he decided he didn't want to have kids. And uh, that was just, that was a deal breaker. Uh, we had talked about it before we got married, but he had decided he did not want to have children. And uh, so, again, deal breaker, and we ended up. We ended up divorcing. Now, when Kelly was a teenager, there were some times I thought he might have been on to something, but you know, not not having kids. Uh, but teenagers are identical. Um, anyway, we ended up divorcing, and I moved to Dallas, and that was my beginning my beginning time in in uh, in Dallas. And I worked for the federal government, civil service commission, and then ended up. Not being single for very long, I met the Kelly's father. His name was David Cox, and we got married after two and a half months of, of, of dating. Uh, probably not the smartest thing in the world to do, but that was kind of a whirlwind. <laughs> kind of a whirlwind romance. It, it, it was. It was, and that is not why we we split. He we were married for nine years. And uh, we were pretty much, I think, just going two different directions. Uh, I was at the point I wanted a career, and he did, he competed with me. So that doesn't work when a husband and wife try to compete. Uh, it wasn't a competition for me. We ended up divorcing. Well, my third marriage, to get it right, but I did get it right the third time. That's when I met Niles was my husband. We were married almost 33 years. Uh, he, it was interesting. We dated for four years. I ended up getting married on, on our fourth anniversary of our first date. I, I told him, I said, okay, I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care how much money you make. I am not putting you through school because I had put both of my first two husbands through school. 
And right. I said, I'm sorry, you're suffering for my background. That also never cooked him dinner. I didn't, I told him, I said, I got, I've always had to cook and it's been an ex- expectation. So if I'm going to cook, I'll cook. If I don't, I won't. Um, he was wonderful. Yeah, he was my knight in shining armor. And again, uh, we were married. That's a great story. It's a fantastic story. I mean, it, 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 it really is. But it, can we go back to David and you know, tell us about uh, Kelly when she was born and, and, and how, that, how that happened? That's I'm not, I think he was, he was really excited about, I was, I was pregnant, going to have a baby. Uh, on the flip side, he'd had a very, very caustic divorce with, and had a little boy. Uh, and it had been like nightmares, you know, with, with all of that. So a little scared, you know, but then when, when Kelly was born, I mean, he, uh, yeah, he was a great dad to her. Uh, he was really, really a, a, a good, a good dad to her. Uh, it's one of the funniest things I remember. He always had a beard. They did, and not the real long scraggly like he's in style now, but very important the beard. Well, at one point he decided to shave all that. Kelly wouldn't have anything to do with him. I mean, she just absolutely killed him. And he even had her right in there with him, watching as he as he shaved it. But I just never forget that really hurt his feelings. And she she was uh she was distant from him for a bit. That when we divorced, Kelly was about, she was probably six and a half, seven years old. And I remember. Even Kelly saying to me, Mom, it's okay. This way I can enjoy you and I can enjoy Dad and there's not fighting. I didn't enjoy that. And that was even at that young age, uh, she she made those statements and that was so accurate. Uh, it, it, she got to have dedicated time. Right. Each, you know, and we tried very hard to parent together. Uh, I mean, I didn't want her to not have fun when she was with him and vice versa. So that that was us and our, our when we were. When well, we tell, tell, tell us uh, in, in the audience about Kelly and, you know, the, her early years, like through, K, you know, kindergarten through sixth, seventh grade. Uh, what, you know, what kind of child was she? What did she like? What did she like to do and eat and those, uh, those things? Well, up until kindergarten, you know, the the, the biggest thing with with Kelly, uh, and I guess she always was, but extremely headstrong, even as a as a toddler. An example, I'd have something she'd reach over and touch with her hand, and I'd say, "Don't you put your fingers on that again," and She'd look me right in the face and take her foot, touch it with her toes. That was like at two and a half, <laughs> three. So, you know, it was that, I'm going to show you. You just said, don't put my hands on it. So 
she she was very active in gymnastics. Kelly was a gymnast and fun. Uh, very, very good. She loved the balance beam. That's the one that I always had to cover my eyes when she was doing it because I was always afraid she was going to fall and land on her head and break her neck. Right, on the neck. Yeah. That always scared me. But she did everything, did the floor, uh, the whole routines. I mean, she did that for, uh, gosh, till she was probably 10, 11, till she went into uh, uh, junior high or middle school. Very, very active. So she was very physical. She was, you know, very, very physical. When she got into kindergarten, she um, she was young because Kelly was born November the 12th. And so they wouldn't let her start because she was too young. And and But that was when they would still allow, if she got through a year of private first grade, she could go ahead then and go into, you know, second grade. So we got her into pre-kindergarten type and then got her into a private kindergarten. And then she did private first grade and then started into public school in second grade. Um, yeah, she, she was pistol. She was a good kid, though. Good kid. I, even when she was in... Uh, before junior high, and then when she got into uh, junior high, and I keep calling it junior high. I know they call it middle school now, but it was junior right. high when I went to school. Uh, she, I had her manage her own money from the standpoint. In other words, I would give her her lunch money. I got paid every two weeks, so I would give her her lunch money for two weeks. And I remember saying, if you blow it all the first day, you're going to be busy back in the lunch, aren't you? You know. And there was some times she did, and then other times she didn't. But it really helped. I mean, by the time she had had Alexis, I mean, she was good with money. She knew how to manage it. She knew the value of money. And and a lot of kids, I know in this day and time, I haven't done as good a job with Alexis, but uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, but Kelly got, she got, she cheered. She was a cheerleader. In middle school, so wow. she was a cheerleader, and as a matter of fact, that whole group of girls that she cheered with in middle school, I'm still in contact with on a regular basis. Um, they they had kept in contact with Kelly. They you know they come and and helped with flyers when she disappeared. They did everything. But I still they all came to the life celebration for Kelly and. We've kept in contact. It's been fun for Alexis to talk to some of them and hear what Kelly was like in middle school. Yeah. That's so, great. Yeah, that was fun. So let's move on to, to uh, high school. And okay. uh, you know, what, what can you tell us about her high school years, our favorite subjects and grades and, you know, friends and social events and things? High school was when she hit her real rebellion. <laughs> she, uh, there were, you know, she was skipping some classes. As a matter of fact, on her 16th birthday, we were set to go get her driver's license. And I got a phone call at work. Do you have any idea why Kelly might not be at class today? And I said, well, maybe because it's her birthday. And so I did it. So I pick her up after school, just like I always did. 
and she has her books and she walks over to the car and gets in. And I said, well, how was school today? She said, it's good, mom. I said, well, I don't know how it was good because you didn't go. (laughs) (laughs) Bottom line, she said, I take it. We're not going to go get my license today. I said, you take it right. We're not going to get your license today. She was in the This was her first when she was 15, 16 years old. She was 16 on it. And that was the skipping. She would skip school. He lived in Irving. And she would take the bus. Very independent, very capable, very, you know, I mean, grounding her from her car, taking her keys away or whatever. That didn't do anything. Uh, so we got from there, she owned up to she had skipped a number of classes. And the long and the short of it is there were some classes she had no graded because she, she had what time she was there, she did well, but she had no graded them. We got her into alternative school. They had that in the school system here. So we got her into the alternative class school that really fit her personality. It was self-paced. They, they want like, uh, you could wear shorts. You could chew gum. You know, because wow. it was more of that treating you like a little adult. This The ball's in your court, Kelly. You do it or you don't do it. And you do it at your own pace. A couple of months to kind of get her head wrapped around it. But once she did, she did real well. She, as a matter of fact, overall, she she ended up graduating the summer, like in August, after the rest of her class graduated in uh, in May or June. So she did real well. She was in the top quarter of her class, even with all of the bombing things out. So she did real well in the alternative school. And then when she when she got done, she started taking classes at the uh, community college. So her high school years, I always say she was the straight A, perfect student in middle school. She got to high school and she made up. She needed all that credit in the bank because she made up for it and she got to high school. But at the same time, that's what made Kelly Kelly. So I was And and then she started into college. uh, Well, let's uh, let's let's what you you remember what year she graduated from high school? 1994. 1994. Was when she graduated from high school. So, you know, those uh, those are, you know, I'm just trying to get you talking about your background and and Kelly's. And so what I want to do at this point is is you've really left it at 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 a good good area right now. So. She's she's graduated from high school in 1994. And, uh, Scott's going to ask you some questions about those UNT days. Scott. Yeah. So uh, let me let me ask you this. So what was her what made her decide to go to from community college up to UNT? Uh, she had actually applied at, at, at several universities and got accepted. Uh, excuse Really, really, there was something about UNT because she visited several different campuses. She had a pretty sizable scholarship, actually, to SMU, too. But she really liked the campus and the atmosphere at UNT. 
So it, it was just, that was the decision. She said, this is where I want to go, Mom. And she took the drive, because it was about 25 miles. We live in Farmer's Branch. So it's about a 25-mile drive from Farmer's Branch over to the campus. So that is really what, what kind of drove her, was looking at the campuses and the feel of the campus. Yeah, yeah. important to a young person. Yeah. Absolutely. That's we 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 talk about that today. How it's that college experience. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. saying, and that's 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 a big issue um, at at all universities today because everything's mm-hmm. become very competitive in the sense of oh, yes. you know we want students to come there and there and do that. So yes, yeah, so no, it's definitely un- definitely understand, but. What did she, did she talk about what she wanted to major in? Did she talk about what she wanted to do with the rest of her life? Well, she, when she was at community college, she, you know, that was when I think she decided, I want, I want to be a therapist, a counselor. I want to work with adolescents. They're in the criminal justice minor. She was actually majoring in psychology with a minor in criminal justice. She said, I figure if I'm going to work with adolescents, and of course she knew her adolescent years, she said criminal justice training would be good, you know, to know something about that. Uh, Because again, I go back to her high school days, you know, she had run away a couple of times. Yeah, all of Francisco, boyfriend. Uh, and I learned at that point, if I didn't know for 10 minutes, and this is what the police told me, if I didn't know for 10 minutes where she was, I could report her as a runaway. And I did that. And, and so the Thomas Branch police knew, but to think that's where they recognized her car. That's Does your mom know where you are? And I haven't reported her or anything, but that would just stop this. She says, thanks a lot, Mom. That's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> but that was what she wanted to do. She really wanted to camp. So she knew she needed to get her bachelor's degree in psychology with this minor in criminal justice, and then she would have to go straight from there and, and work on her master's uh, so she could uh, get her, uh, I guess, master's in sociology. So. Yeah, so no, that's 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 great. So she was majoring in psychology, minoring in criminal justice, and and uh, yes, that's that's great. Did she talk about any of the criminal justice classes she took? As much as you would would think, really. I think because, and you have to get the timeline to know, she went to community college, and then she graduated in 96 from community college, and then started, I think it was 96, started at UNT, and when she was at UNT, she, uh, got to get these dates right, no, she started at UNT before that. Well, maybe not. Alexis was born in 1995, and she graduated in May. Uh, that was it. Maybe it was May of 95. She graduated from community college. Uh, because I remember she was pregnant. I mean, you know, she was taking care of Alexis, mm-hmm. taking a full load at school, helping wow. here at the house. So 
for us to sit down and and spend a lot of time talking, we didn't always get get that opportunity to do it a lot. Um, I was in, in my career was human resources. And so my job was long day. I didn't, and I would get phone calls in the evening and things like that. So, well, no, that's great. I, I think she's. Had, no, I think she's had some one. It sounds like she had some initially some good experiences at at UNT and and in college uh, initially when she kind of got into it. Did you notice did did she kind of not become as I, I guess I'm going to use the word wild when she or she, oh, she, yeah, no. she didn't she have of, time. She, she, yeah, she always said I like I don't have time to party and do all that stuff. But you know I've got a I've got a baby because she was just barely 19 when when Alexis was born, and okay. she you know she said I've got time and she would it was so she'd come home set up. You'd have Alexis in the playpen, and she'd be on the sofa studying and working and doing laundry. And she, she really did not ask a whole lot of us, surprisingly enough. I mean, that was one of the things. I was amazed because I I was already thinking, oh, gosh, you know, now we're going to start babysitting, and we're going to we have to ask her. Yeah. You can actually leave Alexis with us sometimes. What she would take her to the grocery store with her. She'd take her to. I mean, she just really um, showed remarkable maturity at a very young age. That's great. That is great. And no, we've seen. I know Jim has seen students like that. I've seen students like that, and that's just a remarkable, a remarkable feat that you know not only raising children or raising a child, but also being able to go to school and do that. It's, it's kind of almost like that we, we societies kind of believe that if you have a child while you're young, that, Oh, your life's ruined, it's over and stuff. But in in reality, that's not necessarily true because I've had tons of single mothers like that. that that is for, that is for sure. And I remember when, uh, when Kelly, you know, and she was dating Richard, you know, which is Alexis, his biological father. Uh, his name was Richard Ralston. Uh, I remember we were in the kitchen, and she had the refrigerator door open, and she said, Mom, and she shook the refrigerator door and held up a pregnancy test. That's how she told me she was pregnant. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. how could you be so stupid? How could I mean, I was... Like, you know, this kid has finally turned her life around and now she's going to have a baby. Uh, <laughs> so at once I kind of calmed down, I said, I, I she said, are you done yet? And I said, yeah. She said, um, I said, I didn't handle that very well. She said, well, mom, you handled it about like I thought you would. But I knew you would calm down and everything's going to be all right. So then that's when we talked. And I basically said, it's school. I want you to finish school. And um, so I said, I have a college fund for you. I was a single mom with her for years and years, but I had a college fund. And now my dog is a mess again. Hang on one second. I am so sorry about that. Pants are just like kids. And I think they're distracted. That's when they're going to miss the hug. Um, 
Yeah. You know, I mean, let's face it. Anyway, with Kelly, I told her that day, standing here in the kitchen, I said, it's school, honey. I want you to finish school. I'm calling trying for you. Here's my deal. You can't go off to school, but we can use the college fund to take care of Alexis and, you know, I'll take care of the baby at that time. And you go to school. So that would be my deal. You have to go to school and maintain your grades, and then we'll help support the baby. She said, that's a fair deal, Mom. And she was holding up to her in. And I know is that if that barking is throwing outside, it's just so hot here. So let's, uh, uh, you know, that's, as a parent, that's great advice to, uh, to your kids. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we've all been through that. Um, yeah. But let's, uh, let, let's move up to that day. Uh, that day you got that, that, uh, the only way that, that we can describe it would be Jana. It's the, the day or the phone call from hell. Uh, so yeah. that's, and, and, uh, you know, if you could, kind of walk us through and the audience through that uh, about that call and the things that were going on in your mind. And, and, uh, and I think we get that we'll break, we'll break for the day, but if you could share that with us, uh, I think, you know, that would really be, that would be great. Okay. So what happened on July 15th, actually uh, on uh, sidebar on that, that's, that's my birthday. So uh, I'll forget it. Okay. So July 15th, 1997. Yeah. Uh, and I've shared over the years, you know, you get up and it's an ordinary day, just like any other day. Kelly was down in her bedroom. She was, you know, getting ready so she could drop Alexis off and, and go to school. And I even offered to drop Alexis off for her. And she said, no, mom, I got it. I'll get her dropped off at the babysitter. And I, my last words, I said, you know, have a good day. I love you. See you this afternoon. And I left and I went to work. And it was not an everything, again, ordinary day. It was Tuesday. And about four o'clock that her boyfriend, Lawrence, called me. Got me at work and said, have you heard from Kelly? And I said, no. I said, why? And then that's when he proceeded to say, right about noontime, she had called him that she couldn't get the key to work for the car. And behind me was the fact that the professor at the university had told them the criminology class no, no keys, no purses, no phones. You can't bring anything in because they were meeting at the city jail. Now, that actually was not, I mean, they could have just kept them in. But he acknowledged he was trying to save time. Um, so he said, get somebody to drop you off, take a cab, use a Honda key, and I don't care what you do. Well, it was a 25-mile drive. So she not like she could just have me drop her off that easy. So she used to hide a key. 
she had gotten everything. And Lawrence was aware she could use, could have had a key together and everything. Because at that time, he lived with his grandmother across the street. Uh, she told him the key won't work. And they confirmed the phone call and everything like that. She said, I need, can you come over and help me get into my car? So he headed over there. And they confirmed people saw him leave here and so on and so on, head over to, to uh, Stephen. And when he got there, her car was there in the parking lot that she was nowhere to be seen. We know, we know she went to the, you know, to the uh, convenience store and everything. But all I could think when he, when he told me, He'd gone over there and looked, and her car was in the parking lot, and she was nowhere. Thought first and foremost, she wouldn't just leave her car. I mean, that she wouldn't walk away from her car without, you know, and I'm close that there's no reason why she wouldn't have called me. And she did have had a cell phone, you know, not a lot of money in it, but she had a cell phone. So it was not making any sense. So that, but I left immediately. I left my office. It was like about four twenty. I was because uh, I worked in downtown Dallas, and I left. And, and the first thing I did was call Dave, her biological father, Kelly's my ex husband, see if he heard from, which he had not. And of course, the whole drive home, I'm trying to convince myself. Maybe she really had words with Lawrence and got upset. Maybe they get. Maybe she just just lived for a while, even though I knew that didn't make any sense because from noon, you know, to four thirty, didn't make any sense. Uh, so when I went home, of course, Lawrence was here. Lawrence was here, and he, uh, you know, that's what he confirmed. That doesn't make any sense. She wouldn't behave like this, you know. Lauren uh, had gone back out again. The car was still there. She was nowhere to be seen. And that is when I'm trying to think one of Kelly's good friends went with me. And we drove over to Denton. Because I went to the police department. In that, 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 and immediately, and I said, Here's a picture of her. She, she, yeah, she was on the tour, yada, yada, yada. They were not all that interested because, of course, she was 20 years old and she can leave on her own and she's got a heavy load and a lot of responsibility. And, and you know, and especially later, you know, you talk about that she had run away as a teenager. And I said, What she did as a teenager has nothing to do with now. But at, you know, law enforcement, and I understand law enforcement, they get used to some of this stuff. Yeah. So bottom line, we did report it to the police in Denton and uh, came home and you just waited. I mean, you're waiting. We contacted every friend there was. And I, it, it was a part of me that kept saying, because it was so surreal. This cannot be. This cannot be happening. She cannot just be gone. And you really work on convincing yourself 
of the political scenarios, because that's how you keep from just breaking down right there on the spot. You you talk yourself into scenarios that could have happened that can be safe. Of course, I, I didn't sleep much at all. I think I dozed once. Phone rang the next morning at 6.30. And of course, every time the phone would ring, I think, oh my God, that's Kelly. Oh my God, that's Kelly. And actually, that was a radio station. I mean, it was like it had already started. Yeah. Um, that's when reality started setting in. Um, and we had people over here at the house. We have, it was like a zoo that once the media found out. And the way we did that, by the way, my niece had done an internship. She was at UT. She had done an internship the month of June before Kelly's disappearance with Channel 8 uh, here in Dallas. And she had been an intern for Gary Reeves. So she reached out to Gary Reeves and Gary showed up at the police department the next day on Wednesday. I mean, he was over there, set up, ready to enter. I mean, he forced their hand. I mean, they didn't have a lot of choice then. They've got the media and everybody else there. Because I was like, you know, all you ever hear is that the first few days are the most critical if someone goes this right away. Don't tell me I have to wait 72 hours. You know, so Gary was there. We did the interviews and everything. Of course, then from there, it, it was there were media truck here for the first few weeks. We talked with the professor. Yeah, my husband did. Now I talked with him, and he was very apologetic. And and I know he has suffered for it over the years, and I. No, it wasn't intentional. That uh, he said I was just trying to save time. That uh, you know, I, if they didn't have to check their keys and purses in the lockers, it would save time. One reason Kelly left the tour ahead of all of the other students was because she needed to get back over to campus to take a Spanish exam. And uh, so she asked the professors, can I go ahead? You know, they were all talking and everything. Can I go ahead and I've got to get over to campus? So she walked out of the police department by herself. Second mistake, in, in my opinion. You don't let a young lady walk out by herself at a jail where there's criminals coming and going, you know. But she did. And uh, then that's when she discovered she couldn't get into the car and went to the to the uh, convenience store and made that phone call to Lawrence and, and all of that. Uh, because the police department had actually, she tried to make a 1-800-collect call from their offices there. And they said, no, you can't do that. Yeah, do and they, yeah, they directed her to the, to the convenience store. Uh, I wish they had directed her to the payphone in the police department. There was a payphone there, but that's not what they did. Anyway, um, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not blaming any of them. It, I, I feel like they've all suffered enough and because there's all these little decisions that they had been made a little bit differently with a little bit more thought into them. 
you know, things could be. So that's that's kind of a learning process for people to learn. Uh, is you need to think sometimes before you speak or, or, or make decisions. So bottom line, that was the that was the beginning of a 19 year journey. So because it was almost 19 years before we actually found out. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a you know that's a that's a separate interview for us. Oh and, yeah, you know I I think you know we're going to end right here. I think this is a un- unfortunately this is a good break, you know, and and the way in which you you told that. Um, so I think you know if we can get you to to agree, we would like to pick pick up in the, that intervening year. So we we've, we've gotten up to that. You know her early years. You can kind of see the timeline that we're we're putting on you, and and then you know we've discussed this. You know July fifteenth. We'll we'll do it again, uh, okay. but but what we would like to do would be to pick up with you in a couple of weeks and and about that nineteen year period. You know that that time period uh, from right. the, the time you know to the the day that you got a call. You know uh, about William Reese. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, are, are are you okay with that? I am. I am. Perfect. Scott. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Jen. Finish that thought. I was going to say, I would like, and I've got your email. I will email you my uh, victim statement. Oh, please. And uh, Kelly's, I mean, Alexis's victim statement. Please. That we did. Because it really, I mean, it was not a statement doing. Just the whole statement was not bashing William Reese, but I, you know, I, I even had a number of the, the 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 DA and and prosecutors there in Missouri, including the judge, uh, that were very complimentary of not only my statement but Alexis. It's an Alexis wrote hers totally herself. I didn't, you know, it was, and it wasn't one of those. It was cathartic. It was a horrible day, but a cathartic day. I mean, it was, it was, you know, facing him was not easy. So um, I will email those to you. And if you'll share that with Scott, I don't think I have your email, Scott. Yeah, I, uh, I could, I, I've got your email. I'll send you an email today. That's perfect. And then I can send those, uh, those to you. I will also send you. The, the copy of the wording that is on the memorial. It actually okay. read it. Okay. Because I wrote that. We were in first person. Uh, but I'll send that to y'all too. So I'm just Please. trying to give some background to kind of help help the whole picture. That'll be great. You know, hey Scott, uh do you do you have any uh final thoughts or things that you might want to uh throw out here for us to think about? I I, I do not. I just wanted again Thank Jan for telling us the story and telling more about the story. We've heard about it, and, um, and we we're telling about the story as just a couple of criminologists who understand crime or, or tried to understand crime and understand mm-hmm. the situation that's going on and the intricacies and the, the 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 little pieces and stuff. And I can tell you from uh, being a professor as well as Jim being a professor that this is this is. The story we will be sharing, which I, I've done over the years, to be honest with you, I've shared with my students. So I just want you to know that this this matter is not something that, you know, 
Kelly's life has lived beyond probably that me and Jim's life and <laughs> or all our lives will ever. I mean, when we're all gone, her life will still is still there. So because people are telling the story and people are learning from this stuff and learning from, you know, and we again, we appreciate you. So. Thank you. Well, and it's important for people to learn, too. They can get through something as impossible as it seems up front. There's tools, there's people, there's, you know, you can, you have two choices, dig a hole and crawl in it or pick up and move forward. Yep. And I, I chose pick up and move forward. Um, well, it, it just, uh, you know, and I, I agree with everything Scott said, and, and it just, and, you know, Scott and I, we've talked about it at length that uh, you're very courageous and uh, you're, you're very brave. Um, so with that, uh, you know, everyone uh, today, we thank you for listening in. Uh, this is an important episode and interview. We, we think it's very important. And uh, we deeply appreciate Jan and her time with us today. And we look forward uh, to, to the next meeting. So to everyone out there listening, remember that this Crime on Campus episode, it's dedicated uh, to Kelly Cox. And uh, so everybody, please say a prayer for the victims and for those people that are left behind. And uh, we'll see you soon, everyone. If you have any questions for us, improvements or uh, compliments or anything like that, you know, please let us know. And uh, that's it for now. And again, thank you, Poison Ivy Nation.